0: Welcome to the I Create Daily podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We're your co-hosts on this journey of creativity and productivity.
1: I Create Daily is for artists in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs.
0: I Create Daily is a movement for creators serious about your art. If you're into creating anything, this podcast is definitely for you. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Hello and welcome to another episode on the I Create Daily podcast, a movement for creators serious about their work. I'm Devani. And I'm Leora,
1: and our guest today is an award-winning book writing coach, publishing coach, author, and international speaker on writing and publishing. Lisa Tenner assists writers in all aspects of the writing process and has coached clients to five- and six-figure book deals with over a dozen publishers, including HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, Random House, Hay House, as well as Self-Publishing. In addition to writing, mentoring, and teaching her own courses, such as her 5 step system for inspiration and success for writers lisa also teaches writing courses courses at harvard medical school and from the words of one of lisa's dozens of happy clients lisa tenner was the most important person i would hire on my journey to becoming an author welcome lisa tenner thank you so much it's great to be here yeah, great to see you and learn from you about how you began this journey of being a writing coach and getting into writing as your profession as well.
2: It, so it was, it was kind of very um, all over the place. Uh, you know, I would say as a child, I always dreamed of being a writer, but my path to that was very circuitous. Um, I took a lot of writing courses in college and I minored in writing. But I decided I didn't want to pay the extra tuition to have a second major, so I did not major in writing. But I had some incredible teachers uh, as an undergrad, including Frank Conroy, who at the time was the director of the National Endowment for Arts and Literature. And the following year, he became the director of the Iowa Writers' Workshop and is kind of known for being one of the, one of the best writing teachers, maybe, of the last century. Um, he's deceased now but his voice is still in my head when I edit and uh, both my clients work and my own. So that, you know, I, so I had some really strong beginnings in terms of the people who taught me to write. Um, but then I, you know, took a, a job where my, my father was big on, you know, t- take, take, take a good job where, you know, you're going to get paid regularly and, and all of that. So mm-hmm. I worked in um, first in, for Pacific gas electric and then I worked uh, for a nonprofit, running a nonprofit as executive director for ten years, uh, but in that time, I got inspiration to write a book, uh, which I co-authored with two other people. Uh, we did eventually, after all, seven years uh, after my first initial idea about it, um, it got published by uh, Health Communications, so a traditional publishing company, and um, and I soon realized that I actually wasn't interested in teaching workshops about the subject, which was creatively working with your anger uh, because, you know, you get all these angry people in these workshops and I realized I really wanted to work with people's creativity. So um, my initial thought was, well, let me teach people the steps I took to write in the zone. But interestingly, what happened was that people um, wanted to know, well, how do I get published? And so I quickly became known for uh, helping people with book proposals and helping them on that publishing journey, and then was very fortunate to become part of the faculty at Harvard Medical School's publishing course, uh, because that's where I've met many, many of my clients, and so a lot of interesting books on health and self-help, and the kinds of subjects that people in the medical profession are writing. Yeah, definitely, so it was good teachers that inspired the teacher in you, it sounds like, as well. Definitely, definitely. Although, you know, I'll say it was interesting with Frank because he was an incredible teacher when it came to the editing and, um, and really strong writing and tightening. He was really great with tightening, but he was not a coach. And he was kind of the opposite and i think didn't think very much of these mit undergrads that were in his class so um so you know it wasn't really i i think i had to recover from his class to really <laughs> have pretty... confidence in myself again oh. and so you know sometimes you learn what to do from your teachers and then i also learned you know what the missing piece that it's so important to Uh, To see the strengths of a writer and bring that out and help them feel confident that that's just as much our job as You know the the techniques of editing so, you know, I will say that it was a mixed bag
1: (laughs) No, that makes so much sense what came to mind was this the concept of The creative process is an opening of oneself and which can often be vulnerable and, you know, to be in a scenario of being instructed by someone who might be extremely direct and even painfully so uh, can squelch, you know, that creative mm. flow for many. So that's, that's a really good point yeah. relative to, to, you know, incur- because creativity has to, if you close down from fear, then it inhibits creativity. So a exactly. coach, So the coach's role then really in mentor is such a great term because that mm-hmm. in, implies cheerleading mm-hmm. and guiding along and facilitating what's trying to come out.
2: Exactly, exactly. And we want to be honest, you know, and certainly um, not sugarcoat things. Yes. But, you know, I think in our culture, we tend to focus on what's wrong and try to solve the problem. And that's half the equation. You know, the other half is how do we, or maybe even more than half, like how do we nurture what's already there and call attention to it?
1: Yeah. So you do, so, so tell us the, the array of all that you're doing now. Is they want, we were just walking the dogs a little bit before our interview with you so that they would be rested and uh-huh. not... This. And Devani was remarking on how it seems like you're doing so many things. Yeah, you, you
0: have so many courses and programs, and then services that you provide on your site. Just how where do you spend a lot of your time, and how do you manage all of that?
2: Thanks. Yeah, you know that as a as a creative person, that's sometimes a challenge. So right now, I'm teaching my uh, kind of my. Um, My big program, it's called Bring Your Book to Life. And the idea is that sometimes people sign up just before the class starts and some people sign up several months ahead. And so there's a bunch of pre-work they can do. Well, once the class starts, and and that you know, I do have them do in getting clear of the book concept, the structure of the book, and then working one on one with me to to really fine-tune that. And then when the class begins, we have um, eight or nine weeks of classes. And um, and the idea is to write a rough first draft in those eight to nine weeks. So you know, then you're really writing quickly and uh, and just getting that flow down on paper. And you're going to fine tune it later. But all that pre work really helps to make that happen in a quick way. So uh, it's a really fun time. They're really interesting books, and they're such a variety. And um, I I use I, I teach by tele seminar. So the actual group calls, you know, there's one-on-one with me and feedback on the writing, but the group calls, um, I can actually give an exercise and put people in pairs on the call so that they're working privately to do the exercise and then come back together in the larger group and share notes and insights and challenges. And so it's like being in a live workshop. It's really fun and it's a rich environment. There are 14 people in the group, so it's not um, you know, it's not some huge number. Everybody feels heard and there's a connection that we make as a community. Um, so I think I found that sweet spot between they really need to be focusing on their own book and not focusing on, you know, reading other people's work and stuff like that very much, or they're not going to get a book done. But right. we do, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Let me just turn that down. But we do have, um, should I no, I am so sorry.
1: sorry. Um, we, we do have a... Um... We can just pause it for a second. Okay, so Lisa was talking about, you were talking about the number of people uh, in your courses, about 14, which is perfect because you, you need an even number because you pair them at uh, some times, I think, and you were talking about the challenge of uh, that you have found the sweet spot, rather, between uh, the amount of time they focus on their own work versus the amount of distractions by tuning into others' work, I think. It's where we left off. Yeah.
2: So I feel like I found this sweet spot of how much we focus on their work, which is most of the time, they're mostly just writing their book and little else. But they do have an accountability partner, which is five quick questions to make sure they're on track. And if they're not to get back on track quickly. And I find that that's like the perfect amount to have some accountability and support, but they're not coaching each other. And they're not reading each other's work or anything like that. And then we do have a bonus time at the end of the call. The call is an hour and 15 minutes. At the end of that, there's a bonus that people can stay on and hear somebody read and give them some feedback and also share how whatever I taught that day might apply to that writing. So where did you notice that the person did some showing and not telling? Or where did you notice some really great verb choices? So it's really fun. Uh, it's very interactive, and I love how the technology enables something so intimate, where people might be coming from all over the world, but feel this connection with each other. Right, definitely. definitely.
1: What technology are
2: you using for? Because you mentioned that you're able to have them pair off during. Yeah, I use Maestro Conference, which I love, and um, it also allows me to give people mics individually. Mm-hmm. and uh, take some polls on the call. People can raise their hands if they've got questions. So a lot of lot of great things to make it a, a smooth call and an interactive community. Yeah, definitely. Now, sorry. There
0: you go. I was going to ask what types of authors, uh, it seems like mostly on your site it's nonfiction authors and especially in the, the, either the medical genre or the personal developed genre, but what type of author is good for your course?
2: Yeah, um, I have a variety of people in the course. Uh, I would say a lot are working on a self-help book or how-to, a few business books. Um, What else right now? Uh, Sometimes people work on a memoir. I generally if a, if a memoir has some self help in it i might be a good match my course might be a good match but but a straight memoir you're going to need a lot more time to get you know even a first draft of a book so generally it, it's not as good a match for that and certainly not for fiction i do have a part of you mentioned a lot of stuff on my website i do have a referral portion of my business because i do get so many people who are maybe not in my genre. I hear from people with fiction or children's books or ghostwriting. And so I actually have a referral service as well. And uh, many really talented editors and ghostwriters in all kinds of areas. So, um, and that's fun because it's, I I love that um, aspect of really getting clear on what a person needs and, 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 Finding that perfect match for them, so it, it's a fun aspect too. Really different from the other work.
0: That's
1: awesome. Yeah, it makes sense. You even have fun when the with the referral portion of it, like you're saying, because yeah. then you get a chance to like big picture mastermind with that person who's just coming into it. Oftentimes, brand new, yeah. no idea of what's going to serve them best. <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> Excuse me. So, when does your? How often do you run your course? You said it's about eight to nine weeks, and so yeah.
2: That I just do once a year because it really is a big commitment on my part. I'm reading um, up to thirty pages from each person in the course and have somewhere. This course I I, um, I did uh, put a cap on, but you, usually my cap is higher. And I just knew this time. Usually it's twenty, and I just knew I did, I didn't want that many people. in at this time because it is a big commitment, but uh, but. I, you know, I so I do that once a year. I also do another class, a book, book proposal class, and that's once a year. That's going to be in the fall. And uh, I do, sometimes I'll teach writing in the zone, which is fun. That's the class that first got me on this road, uh, where it was taking the things that I used for writing in the zone for my first book and applied them to um, Anybody who at first to anybody with a creative project, but then I I really started to focus on writers and especially people writing books. Sometimes I have a few bloggers in that class too, but it's really, it's really fun. And I do an exercise that I developed over time called meet your muse. And it's a guided visualization. Um, generally, I'm taking people through a meadow and into the woods and into this little cabin where they meet their muse, uh, their inner source of creativity, and it's it's really fun. You know, we'll come up with a list of questions ahead of time when I'm working one on one with someone, and we'll ask those questions. And you know, often it's sort of an intuitive process as their muse answers. I might come up with other questions to go deeper or go in a slightly different direction. But it, it's so cool to see how they answer questions when they're connected to that, as opposed to sort of maybe earlier on the call, they'll be sort of in their head and second guessing themselves. And then when they really connect with that muse, it's like so clear. And sometimes it's really different. I've had people's muse say, you're writing the wrong book. Here's the book to write, or, um, you know, here's your reader, not this. So it's, it's a nice way also to, um, to, to clarify things before we really jump in because sometimes I might say, well, from a marketability standpoint, here's what would work best, but that might not be what works best from that soul, you know, and heart and, uh, and passion standpoint. Um, and we'll also of course look at like what's their vision and what um, m- make a lot of the decisions based on their vision and their goals. But, but that muse is such a great touch point for making sure we're on track.
0: And you bring up a really interesting point about um, the marketability of a book and then the, uh, like what you really want to write. How do you help guide? And I know it's such a different answer depending on the book and the person, but what are some general tips that you have that you uh, help people, that you help people determine when they should go the, let me make this a little bit more marketable versus let me just write what the soul needs to write and how do you help them bridge that and sort of weave it together? That's a great question. So we'll start with their vision because
2: depending on their vision, the marketability might not even be as much an issue. You know, if their vision is, I want a legacy book for my family, we don't have to worry about that. Um, if their vision is, well, I want it speaking gigs, then we need to think about, well, who do you want to be speaking in front of and who would hire you? You know, so they may want to be speaking in front of one group, but that's a group where you couldn't really get hired. Like nobody has money to pay you as a speaker. So does that make sense from a business standpoint? Is it sustainable? Right. Um, we always want it to be a sustainable project so that it's going to uh, support you and bring in income so that you can do more of what you love and and not sort of be thinking, OK, how do I make this work? This is this just costing me money? So. Um, so we, we look at, you know, what, what's the vision and what's the goal and therefore, uh, you know, look at the marketability from that standpoint, from that lens, I would say. So um, what, once, once we have that vision, that, that does help us a lot. Um, the other pieces, do they want to self-publish or traditionally publish? And if they want to traditionally publish, usually they do need a significant platform, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as you know, a significant reach, right? Either they have a podcast, as you do, and so they're reaching people that way, or they have a strong Google presence and mailing list, or maybe they do a lot of speaking in person. Uh, and, and often, you know, there's a mixture of a few different things that make for a, a strong platform. But that's something publishers want to know, that you're already reaching the people that would buy your book, especially with uh, prescriptive fiction like self-help or health books or business books. So uh, I'm sorry, prescriptive nonfiction, I think. That's fiction.
0: I was <laughs> <Yeah, got it. laughs> going to be a follow up question, <laughs> but we cleared that one. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So um, so those are like some of the ways we look at it. And then um, let's say they're thinking traditionally published, but then they say, oh, I don't want to do all those things. Well, then we'll take a step back and say, "Okay, well, uh, maybe you want to revise your expectations and your goals. Maybe you want to um, self-publish. And let the book actually help you grow your platform in a more organic way than trying to force something and do it quickly. Uh, So, you know, often that works well for people and maybe entering some contests so they can win some awards and then that way show some additional cachet for the book. Um, sort of, uh, you know, outside endorsements, or maybe they just get some really great endorsements, or a forward from a best-selling author or celebrity can also help both with the caching credibility and also just on Amazon, which is a search engine. Um, if somebody searches on that best-selling author, and suddenly your book comes up too, so that can be a, a really great strategy. So you know, we'll brainstorm about strategies that can work well for their particular book. Right.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, and. That's really the advice, just whether you're writing a book or doing any kind of creative project, that's, it's really like, start with your vision and goals and then build your plan out from there, depending on who you want to reach and how many people you want to reach. And then, you know, we tell, we talk about that a lot, even with fiction writers, like, okay, you're writing the story, but who are you really trying to reach? What is the goal here? So that's great.
1: Yeah. And so what comes to mind as you were talking is that your process of finding the muse, of uh, teaching people how to write in the zone, et cetera, is ripe and ready for its own book, uh, kind of reminiscent of Julia Cameron's. Is it Morning Way? Let's see. Morning Pages? Morning Pages. Uh-huh. Um, there's a process, and hers is immensely popular, as is her following. So, have you, do you have any goals in mind yourself on doing your own book again? Doing yes. Yes.
2: And I actually, I have pieces of these books. This is like the, the true cobbler's uh, children. Yeah. <laughs> My books are all cobbler's children. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do have um, a writing in this own book and then I sort of morphed to a couple other ideas. So like now I'm actually trying to decide, okay, can I fit these all together? I think I have all the pieces and it, maybe it's a way of like, how do I want to fit these together? You know, do I just have writing in the zone or do I have these other pieces I want to bring in? So, yeah, I'm kind of playing with that right now. And that's another reason, like, when this class is over, I'm going to take a little time for my own books before I go back to um, doing a lot of coaching and teaching. Because it's so easy, um, you know, when you have people coming to you all the time to just say yes to everything and then your own books don't get written. So I have to take my own medicine and that's sometimes the hardest thing is like, okay, I tell my clients that they have to clear their plate, yeah. and they need to schedule the time in their, in their books. One thing that works really well for me is working with a friend. So just, we get together at the library together, do some writing that always works for me. I did that a couple of weeks ago with a friend and, uh, yeah, just reminded like, Oh yeah, this always works for me.
0: Oh, that's good. And you have a lot of the group is most of your coaching group coaching format or are there way do does somebody if you ever do you work one-on-one with anybody I do. if so do they need to have gone through one of your group coaching programs or how does they that don't need to um generally
2: like for editing I would say if they haven't gone through my program it's less likely that I'll have the bandwidth to take them on but occasionally a project just feels like a really good fit and I, I will say yes to an editing project. Um and and you know those are often some of the most fun projects is ones that I took on, you know, even though the person hadn't done my course or um but yeah I do a lot of book proposal work with people one on one and I do some editing one on one. And I also I love to do book concept consultations. So when mm-hmm. somebody's at that very beginning trying to figure out like what's my book? Um I have um like a, a self-study course, quick start to kickstart your book. It's like $97 and it really helps them get that clarity of, of their vision, their goals, uh, create a vision statement, really get clear on the audience and features and structure. It works best for um, like self-help and how to and business books and uh, those kinds of books. Like I, it does have a little information on memoir, but it's, I, I would say it's, it, there are probably other programs that are even stronger for memoir, but, um, but that is a great starting place. And then we do a book concept consultation where they have a questionnaire and send it back to me. And I, um, I, I really spent some time with that before our call. So I have some ideas for them and I, know where I want to go with it and ask them questions and then we often do the meet your muse exercise at the end of that to see what their muse has to say about where we've come to and you know what we're thinking of in terms of the book so I I love that um I I'm a big uh yeah I just love those starting points of like kind of what could this book be and I love brainstorming um what one client that was really fun to work with was Carrie Baron, who is co-author of the creativity cure. And when I met her at the Harvard course, she was pitching the book as I'm creative, but I can't create. And mm-hmm. an agent turned to me and said, Oh, where would I sell that? You know? And, and she was kind of thinking like, this is, this doesn't feel like a big book yet. And then when we did the book concept consultation, cause I ended up working with Dr. Baron, um, she was kind of thinking of her audience, right, as people who see themselves as creative and see their problem as I can't create. But when we talked, it was more, well, the clients she works with um, in her psychiatry practice are um, are depressed, anxious, or unhappy, which is a huge audience mm-hmm. and a very desperate one for, you know, they want something to fix their problem. And so um, then I came up with the title, The Creativity Cure. And uh, we worked together on the book proposal and it actually got a six figure book deal with uh Scribner. So, you know, it, it's, it's fun for me to sort of listen to the person and sort of echo back some of what I'm hearing and also seeing in the possibilities and what make that book, what might make that book, not just especially marketable, but really juicy and fun. And, you know, how can we, um, how, how can we make it even more powerful for the reader? So I, I love experiential kinds of things, and I, I love helping authors think about how they can turn a book from, you know, maybe they've got uh, some stories in their life, but if they're not a really amazing writer, it, it's not very easy to write a successful memoir, but it's pretty easy to learn how to tell a story well and then add some some tools like journaling prompts or other kinds of exercises to bring those lessons into the reader's life. So I love doing stuff like that. That's, that's especially fun.
1: Yeah. Your role, it seems, and I guess this is common to coaches and mentors in general though, is that, um, is that of a visionary and Mm -hmm. a generalist because you have to have the you know the whatever they say 30,000 foot view sort of thing of the industry uh, as well as the the writing and the and the like the the techniques of writing what makes a good story and then what options what markets etc so that's like the big picture view of the whole industry which of course I mean that's what you do as a as a publishing coach and a writing coach but it's such an important role because so many people like many in your uh, many of your clients are um, like Devani indicated coming from the medical professions or some kind of uh, self-help kind of industry or business and they are experts in their niche and as as such they don't know about Mm -hmm. the book publishing industry they know their story they know their their subject and and that's what they need help understanding how to get it out there in the hands of the people that want to read it in a way like such as that title change in a way that will actually appeal not just to those but even beyond that initial market
2: yeah yeah that's that's definitely true and you know it's interesting because I do work with a lot of people in medicine and therapists and you know they've learned to write in an academic way often Mm. and so part of my job is teaching them how to write in a way that's conversational and that draws the reader in. And that's really fun for me. Um, I I just love seeing writers get so much better at their craft. I I used to teach, and I I might do this again at some point, but I I used to teach bring your book to life also live in Narragansett, Rhode Island. And um, I, I, one of the people in class once, saved everybody's writing in a notebook and she showed us like the writing from the very beginning and the writing from eight weeks later Wow! it was amazing to see the transformation of them as writers because in that class which i don't do as much in the in the online class but we actually everybody got a chance to read a few times throughout and we would spend we spend like the first so it was a longer class, because in person you can spend more time. So we maybe did an hour, an hour and a half of teaching, and then we would do another hour and a half or two hours of somebody reading, and then the group would get feedback. So then we, we really got to see that. Although, you know, with the editing, I see that too. I'll, I'll give people the editing feedback, and then it, it's amazing sometimes how somebody i i think i'm not even sure i can help this person they're so all over the place and then you know two drafts later it's like wow where did you come from <laughs> were you born knowing how to write
0: it just you know it's such a difference yeah well what's amazing about this process and we also interviewed another book coach company um a couple weeks ago but they focus more on fiction writers mm-hmm. and. So, but what's so awesome is that it's bringing writers together in a community format, whether it's one-on-one coaching or um, group coaching, regardless, it's them having somebody else on their side, wanting their book to be successful, which can be like you were mentioning when you're so focused in your specialized field and writing your story. It's so easy to get caught up in, this is my story, this is my field and it, and sort of like forget that, well, other people are going to be reading this eventually too. So it's good to have a supportive community. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's,
2: it's one of the really powerful things uh, that I see in the course is that community. And, you know, sometimes I'll find out like years later, one of my clients just got a book deal. But she t- she originally took the class quite a few years ago. And then she was working on developing her platform more Uh, And so, you know, it it took her a while to get to the point where her proposal was ready to send in to the agent. And um, in all that time, she had stayed in touch with her partner from the eight-week class, and they checked in every week. So it it is really neat to see how people continue to support each other uh, often way beyond the class.
1: And I'm so glad you mentioned that concept, too, because it's so important to recognize that this is a journey that, you know, it could be a longer journey than most of us, you know, we are impatient. We have the idea of a book and we hope that in less than a year, it'll be out in a bestseller. But like you said, and we talked about this often with the I create daily audience and that is, you know, you really do need to, preferably, um, the, the easiest way, in other words, to sell more books initially is to already have an audience. Mm-hmm. It may not be the easiest if that's anti-antithetical to your personality, you know, to grow a social platform, but even those people who are introverts, uh, typically they're passionate about their specific topic, their yeah. specific specific genre of interest, and end up finding that they really love associating with people like-minded in that regard. Um, so
0: and with the internet, you don't actually have to physically be near the yeah, people. So yeah. it might be
1: a little easier step. And in a Facebook group, so joining a Facebook group um, or a coaching program where, you know, you get a chance to recognize that, uh, you know, to have that support and that encouragement to recognize and sort, sort of like, okay, what if it takes five years, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of five years, five years is going to come anyway. Uh, So do you want to get to the five years and having accomplished all these things on your bucket list? Or do you want to get there and look back and say, darn, I should have done it even though it was going to take longer than I thought? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I have a whole bunch of books on my bookcase that, you know, there's some that were like really quick and, you know, within six or nine months there was the book. But I also have a whole bunch that took, you know, three years, four years, five years or even more. But now they're published, and many of them have won awards and have um, opened all kinds of doors for the authors. So uh, it, is, it is a matter of, like, definitely have your goals, uh, but then also be flexible and be persistent, and it will happen. You know, I, I have some people in the class now who've gotten sick or whatever, and I said, well, you still wrote this week, so you're moving forward. You know, it might not be as fast as you wanted, but you're moving forward, and, you know, again, like it comes back to focusing on supporting what you are doing and not just beating yourself up because your muse likes that, look what I did, right? Your muse likes the, the positive energy and passion and excitement and, and that patting yourself on the back. And so it's really important to feed that. You know, in, in my writing in the zone, my five steps, the last step is gratitude, because if even if you just sat there and thought about the book and didn't write and you had wanted to write, if you feel gratitude for like I took the time, I sat there, I immersed myself in the book 's energy, even if i didn 't get anything done pr- that looks productive um, you're setting yourself up for the next time you know your your creative spirit responds to that, but your creative spirit also responds to Oh, I'm a loser. I didn't write. Blah, blah, blah. Like it responds to that too, and not positively. So it's right. really important what message we're giving ourselves. Totally. And we got to be kind. Yeah. Yes,
1: so important. We um, what we focus on is what grows more fully in our lives. And another uh, quote that comes to mind from Dan Kennedy is: "Focus on the gaps, not the gains." Dan sorry, Sullivan. sorry, right, opposite cancel. Dan Sullivan, thanks for my backup memory. Focus <laughs> yeah. on the gains, not the gaps. Focus yeah. on the gains, not the gaps. My um, so. Dan
0: Sullivan. My <laughs> <laughs> <By> Dan
1: Sullivan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So absolutely, that's exactly what you're addressing. Um, and it and it there's because there, there are always going to be the gaps. And there are always going to be the gains, like yeah. you said, and we have people in our community similarly who signed up for a 30 day writing uh, challenge that we uh, hosted, and they ended up getting sick during it, much like your cl- uh, client. And yeah, it's like, but they still wrote, mm-hmm. you know, they still wrote during part of the time and ended up accomplishing more than they would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. So- um, one of the things that came to mind when you were talking earlier, I meant to mention is, so you do speaking nationally and internationally. Um, and I would imagine that some of your audiences are medical professionals.
2: Yeah, it really varies. Um, the One of the most fun was Thailand. And I got a call from, well, originally it was an email. It was from um, top, what was it called? Um, NLP top coach. And they're they're in Bangkok, and one of the people had been in my book writing class, the the owner of the company, the president of the company, and um, so they brought me out to teach their community of coaches, and we had people from Malaysia and uh, Hong Kong, Bangkok, Vietnam. Um, there were a couple of other countries too. I was I was so blown away, and. They, you know, and it was this international community, and it was so interesting to kind of be a part of an international community where, like, people have all these different languages, but they all speak English, and that's how they connect, and uh, it was, it was really amazing, Um, and then there was a person in that class who was, he, 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 Teaches at the foremost business school in Bangkok, Nida Business School, and so he had me come in and do a, the the first thing was a several day uh, program, but he had me do a half day workshop with professors there, and it it was really fun. So it's really a variety of different kinds of people that um, that I'll teach or present to. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for clarifying yeah. that, and
1: I. Part of the reason for mentioning the medical thing initially was what came to mind as a speaker, because this might apply to many uh, in your audience, even more than ours. There are, um, as there are professionals from all backgrounds and uh, as baby boomers looking at retiring from their first career, uh, and yet there's still plenty young mm-hmm. to look forward to what they might next like to do. And I would think for you in particular, if you're speaking to audiences of all kinds, including there's there's more often more budget for paid speaking positions, you know, in the medical communities. Yeah. And I would imagine that, yeah. uh, that there would be many in that community as well as other professional communities who really need to hear your message and your advice. Um, so I, I would just get in, you said, you know, you have spoken to some of those such as in Thailand. Have you spoken to other audiences um, fr- from a variety of professions that, that That are also paid speaking gigs, and and again, the reason I mention that is uh, sorry, not to pry uh, but to rather yeah. let people know what kind of options and opportunities are available to take you know their own skills and, and platform building into the speaking the paid speaking genre
2: yeah yeah that you know that's a great question um definitely the the, the medical community and several conferences around that um, uh writers you, you know like the San Francisco writers conference um so that's that's a group but you know a group that probably does have less money you're right and actually that was not a paid speaking gig but uh, clients came out of it so you know that's another thing to think about sometimes it's worth doing a a gig where you're not necessarily paid but you end up um, with new clients and that that can be worthwhile uh coaches is definitely a group that i've spoken with sometimes paid sometimes unpaid Um, yeah, yeah, but and, and as I see my clients, you know, lots lots of variety. One of my clients was just in Paris at an international conference on trauma, and uh, he just got a book deal as well, Dr. James Zender. So, it, you know, it, it's, um, you know, sometimes I think conferences that are focused on particular um, both health and mental health issues can be a, a great possibility if you have those kind of credentials. Um parenting, you know, but it, it varies. And, and sometimes too, uh, you know, if, if, if it's hard to get paid speaking gigs sometimes for what you're doing, uh, you, what, what, you know, a listener is doing they they might just um, think about doing webinars or something like that. Find your own people and start to do webinars and you can do a, you know, a free one to get people interested and give them some information but then they can sign up for a four week program or eight week program or tell a seminar, similar thing. So those are maybe some ways to make sure there's income associated with those kind of activities. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And
1: I know you have plenty of going on, so you probably don't need uh, more ideas (laughs) because, but like you, we love ideating. And one of the, our former, um, podcast guest is Eric Wall and he is an artist who's taken his visual artist visual artist who's taken his painting into corporations and huge audiences even stadium size sometimes with a large on-stage demonstration of painting something bringing something to life in the process as a part of his uh, speech is presentation of the importance of bringing creativity into the corporate arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, as you were talking, it's like it brought to mind that concept of, yeah. again, one of the gifts that you would have as well. And that is, you know, to bring creativity into you know, like the clients you said who were used to academic writing and knew how to write, but mm-hmm. by infusing the concept of how to tell a story creatively mm-hmm. and bringing creativity into the writing, it just kind of brings it to life.
0: Especially as brands get more involved with being a creative company or forward thinking company. And then you have all these creators who yeah. would love, and you can often get brands, you, if you can offer and, I think Emily and Peterson spoke about this, who we had on our podcast as well It's just learning how to position whatever creativity that you have in a way that a brand or a company would want it as well. So kind of learning to balance the two worlds and communicate it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great
2: idea.
1: So um, one of the, do you, speaking of jobs and paid presentations and speeches and that sort of thing, so a lot in our audience of creators are looking for opportunities to earn income through their creative endeavors. Um, and I know that there's something about ghostwriting. You've mentioned something about ghostwriting. Uh, Oh yeah. She
0: she has, she has, you have a service. I was digging around your site this morning and you have a service where you, and I think you talked about it a little bit earlier where you will, um, connect people with ghostwriters if you you're not a fit to work with them. Mm And so we're just wondering about what that process is like both on the author's side like an author looking for a ghostwriter but then also on the ghostwriting side like um how if somebody wants to earn money while writing even if it's not necessarily immediately through their book how can they get involved with freelance writing ghostwriting that that type of stuff Mm -hmm. great question
2: so um let's start with somebody who who wants to be a ghostwriter um so you know the the hardest thing really is getting experience. And so in the beginning, it's often a good idea to just get some experience, and you might undercharge just to get that experience. So um, I actually did some pro bono work with someone who was, was a CNN anchor, and I was really Uh, I really believed in her message. So, and, and then she had like gone up against Monsanto. So they had sued her and she had, (laughs) basically they broke the bank. Right. So, so you know, she wasn't in a position to pay for my services. And I felt like, you know, this is somebody who I could, I could, uh, I really want to support what she did. She was a whistleblower. And at the same time uh, I could get some experience under my belt and, and have a nice, uh, I ended up with a nice testimonial from somebody who, um, you know, normally wouldn't hire me cause I was at the very beginning of my career. So I would say, you know, one thing is just to be open to taking on one or two projects at, you know, a lower rate just to get that experience. And, you know, the other is if you are ghostwriting, I would say, you know, hire an editor even though you might be spending the money you're being paid for that editor, it, it's like getting a graduate degree, you know, oh, you will yeah. if, if you hire a good editor. And so, you know, that first project or two might even just break even, but it's a great way to, to really get good at what you're doing much more quickly. So, so that, those might be some suggestions. I do, um, I do have a referral service. Most of my editors and ghostwriters are fairly high-end, um, but you know, occasionally I run into people who don't have much of a budget and uh, I don't like to turn people away. So, you know, if somebody sh- certainly shows that they have good skills and they just don't have a ton of work to show for it, but they have some, um, you know, sometimes I, I will keep them back of mind for um, referrals when somebody doesn't, doesn't have the funds. And actually I just uh, made a, a match on that today. So um so yeah, that, that's a possibility. Um, as to the, the experience of being an author and hiring a ghostwriter, um, you, know, you wanna make sure that the person has worked in your genre or is really great, uh, maybe also is really great with capturing voice. So sometimes it's a good idea to work with them on one chapter first or even on an article to just see what it's like to work with them. But, but at the same time, I would say if their first draft isn't your voice, um, hopefully not the whole, the whole book, right? You're just, you know, you start out with one piece and give them some feedback, but if they send you some pages and it's not your voice, work with them, tell them, well, that doesn't quite sound like me because I wouldn't say this, 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 or, you know, give, give them some tips. Some people, uh, some writers, are so good at that you know they they um they've been doing this for a long time and they're really fine-tuned to how to create that voice that they hear in you when they interview you
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, but it's something you can work with with your writer so voice is a really big thing when you're choosing a ghostwriter but definitely look at you know what's their other work if the voice is totally different from what you want, don't worry about that because often they have a very broad range, but try to see if they, you know, have a bunch of examples uh, so you can get a, a sense for how broad that range is. Um, and, you know, there are writers of all different, I mean, you can find ghostwriters for five or $10,000 for a book and you can find ghostwriters for well over $100,000. Or even two hundred thousand. So it really varies. I would say most of the writers I work with charge forty to sixty, sometimes more than that. But I also have some that charge more around twenty-five thousand. Um, and then it depends on the length of the book as well. And it, is there research needed? That that ups the price a bit too. So um, it does vary a lot. Um, and also a writer's process varies. So for a lot of writers, they're going to interview you, collect a lot of information, read whatever, you know, research or notes or data you have or if you have like some coursework that, um, you know, they'll, they'll look at your courses or they'll look at your webinars to get a feel for all the material before they start writing. And, um, and then, you know, a lot of them will, are very big on structure. So they'll first develop the structure with you and then they'll start to write. Um, so, and, and it is expensive. So generally for a good writer, so you want to make sure you have the budget for the whole thing. You certainly don't want to go in and say, well, I can afford the first third and I'll just, you know, envision that the rest is going to come. If you're going to invest that in the project, make sure you have the whole amount.
1: Yeah. And what it, that's great advice. And also Mm -hmm. what that entails, what it covers, like have a contract. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're, uh, for instance, if it's a medical professional or other profession, um, so often that people, um, that client, that prospective ghostwriting client could be earning so much more if they were doing their own profession and then taking that earnings to pay the ghostwriter because it it does take, I mean, that ghostwriter is investing potentially six months or a year of their time uh, Mm -hmm. to go deep and which means it's saving the the recipient Mm -hmm. that in their life. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And also a really good writer, you know, is going to write at such a level that, um, that, you know, probably the author can't. Um, Some of the writers I work with have been in the publishing industry for decades. Um, Some are uh, journalists. And so boy, they, they know how to make a story sound amazing and they know, you know, just how to find those details that are going to make it come to life. And add suspense and, and interest and excitement and tell the story in a way that, you know, a, a doctor isn't necessarily going to know how to do. And, and the other thing that one of, one of my writers said recently, which I thought was so good, was he said to his client who who got a book deal with Hachette, uh, which is a major publisher, uh, but he said, look, you're the surgeon, you're a surgeon, and I wouldn't tell you what to do in the surgery room. Yeah. And I'm the writer. And so you do have to trust me. And, you know, the writers I work with vary. Some are, are very flexible and, but some are really, you know, look, I'm the professional and I know what's going to work and you've got to trust it. So you should also, if you're an author looking to hire a writer, make sure that it's a fit. You know, maybe that is the person you want who is like, you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. And, they're going to be very firm and you'll probably get, you know, a a really great book versus um, no, I really want to call the shots here and I want somebody who's going to say yes to what I want, even if it's not as marketable. So, you know, it's important to know ahead of time, like that's a good question to ask the writer is uh, how firm are you about, you know, what this book ends up being. Now that writer, his name always appears on the book as a width at the bottom of the, the, cover smaller than the author but still you know his name is is as a width so um you know so so he he's very invested in, in how the book turns out because his name's on it versus right. if you hire a ghostwriter whose name's not on it they may be very flexible about what goes in the book because um, they may not even be able to share with people that they wrote the book if if you have a non disclosure agreement and don't want them to share that fact. So there are lots of different ways in which kind of the writing occurs, and um, you have to think about what's best for you. I actually, on my website, have a free e- uh, ebook called 20 Questions to Ask a Ghostwriter Before You Hire Yours, and I have a, a similar one for editors uh, for hiring an editor. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, there are a lot of lots of fun free stuff if you're looking for guidance in, the, in those areas.
0: Do you have a couple platforms that people who want to be ghostwriters could go and like list themselves or what are the best practices around that?
2: Yeah, I don't, I mean, they would need to contact me and give me some examples, uh, some samples of work that they've ghostwritten and, um, and we'd go from there. You know, they would let me know what they charge and that kind of thing. So yeah, they could just Lisa at lisatenner.com and they should probably look at my website first, lisatenner.com, just to, to get a sense of, um, the kinds of authors I tend to represent. Although, you know, with ghostwriting, usually it's, it's nonfiction, but occasionally I have somebody asking for fiction or children's book. So I'm open to ghostwriters in different genres. Okay, great. So, um, back to bringing
1: this toward the last few questions that we have for you before we let you go. Um, And you mentioned your writing in the zone and teaching that course. So what are some, what are your daily, what's your daily creative routine? Do you have one that serves you? And if not, and or what you recommend for your, your writers?
2: Yeah. Um, So I'm a little embarrassed to say I do not have a daily creative routine, but my daily routine is that I always do my qigong. And I would say, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, um, internal practice. So the focus is on, uh, cultivating internal energy and that really feeds my creativity. So that I do every day. I also, maybe three or four years ago, I hired a writing coach. We were actually both teaching workshops to the uh, International Coaches Federation and the New England, um, New England, um, branch of that. And, uh, I, 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 I wanted somebody that I could teach my meet your muse exercise so they could lead me in that exercise, but somebody who I felt was resonant and intuitive. And so I hired my own writing coach and that, and I actually have a call with her today. So that has also helped me kind of keep my practice, uh, maybe not front and center, but keep it, keep, you know, keep an eye on that um, and then one one thing I'm also, and, and as I said, I, I love to um, schedule time with friends. I don't do it when I'm teaching a course necessarily because I just, that, that requires so much of me. But um, as soon as the course is over, I'm going to be doing more of that writing with a friend. And I actually, this time I'm hiring somebody because I, I mentioned to you, I have this eye strain. So I'm hiring somebody to take like all my notes for these different books and type them all in. And then I'm going to just cut and paste and move things around and figure out, okay, these are the, these are the books now and, and um, really do something with them because they've been sitting there a while. So yeah, those are, those are some, but when so the, the practice that's not daily, but it is a practice is having my writing coach do my meet your muse exercise with me. And actually people can, um, find that exercise free on my website. There's an audio. It's not like fancy record, you know, the way it's recorded. It just, I recorded it on a phone, but mm-hmm. it, um, it gets to the heart of the exercise and you just go to com slash meet hyphen your hyphen muse. And um, so that is one of my practices is connecting with my muse. And, uh, but I do find when I write in the morning, that's very powerful. It's just, you know, it's easy. I'm in that, in between state and a lot often flows. That's all wonderful.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely link to that um, Muse um, audio link. Uh, from the podcast as well as from the iCreate Daily website, iCreateDaily.com because we have an, a couple articles that mention muses and news mm-hmm. resources so mm-hmm. we'll link that there as well um, So and, and of course send people to your site Um do you have any concluding um, things you'd like to share like for instance your course you're in the process of right now that people can only sign up for once, w- once a year but do you have like a waiting list, same thing for your fall course and I think you start your medical team Um, teaching again in June so you've got a a full roster of teaching so you want to just recap that for folks.
2: Sure thank you. Um, Yeah if somebody's interested in bring your book to life they could definitely start exploring now because there's also pre-work we could be doing even even starting you know over the next month and actually they could start right away because they could work on the quick start which is the very first part of um, of the course. So, um, so they don't have to wait till January of next year. You could you could start in now, and um, and also there is that book proposal course that will be starting in September. So that's something to think about. Uh, but if somebody were just interested in coaching, that's something. Uh, like I said, I'm going to focus on my books for a little bit, but uh, I I'm starting a little bit of a waiting list. So if somebody wanted to start in June or July, uh, they could contact me now for that for coaching, um, and then I'm doing the referral work so uh, that's something i'm happy to do and harvard medical school cme publishing courses in june i don't, I don't know the d- exact dates offhand but if somebody's thinking of a, a health book or a, a self-help book or anything like that their agents there their publishers uh, more, more agents than publishers i would say but there are a few publishers and uh, it's a great immersion in what it takes to successfully publish a book and also includes um, blog writing, social media, lots, lots of great stuff for authors. So uh, that, you know, be fun to see you there. Definitely introduce yourself if you come to that. And uh, you can look online Harvard Medical School CME publishing course if you wanted to find it. And the, the CME is continued medical education?
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. CME. And so what is your, so to, to, conclude with this question, um, what is your vision for your work? I know you want to pull your writings and things together and you know get it into some kind of book form, but what's your longer term horizon for your own creative work?
2: So um, yeah, I mean it really does focus on getting getting some books done myself now. It's been a while since I published uh, my own books, so that that's a big piece that I want to do. Um, and, and I've also thought and I've talked with a colleague about, uh, with the book proposal course, maybe to create something that also a self-help, uh, self, self self-study kind of version of the book proposal course. So we've talked about that. So I, like, I do have some products in mind, but I'm still kind of playing with how much I want to do that. Um, yeah. So I, right now, I'm in kind of a place of, Exploring. Figuring out what is the long term strategic plan and I, I actually couldn't tell you exactly because I'm sort of playing with different ideas. But I love what I do. So I don't feel like this huge, you know, oh my gosh, gotta find another another program or project or let's you know, I, I'm really enjoying it. So there's not a huge push for, okay, let's do the next step. The next step really feels like let's get some books. completed now.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And it makes so much sense when you're enjoying what you're doing, then you are already in the journey. Um, and you know, you can see the horizon and not yet have that next ship visible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. So right oh. now it's just the horizon and you're enjoying the journey. Uh, except for maybe the one with some books on the horizon. Well, it's like us
0: too. It's like we love every day of what we do, and then we have a new idea and we're like, yes. oh, yes. that's exciting too. <laughs> yeah. it's the creative energy. Yeah,
1: we want to do it all, but we obviously can't. And so yeah, it's just Well you
2: know. yeah. And you know, that's I think a big piece that I figured out is that like I constantly have ideas, yeah. but I'm a little more um uh, a little more careful about just jumping in and starting them because I realized that uh you know each each idea takes time and they may not be what I really really want to do, and I love what i'm doing, so you know be careful of just jumping on every idea I have um, but I will say like one thing that I'm kind of playing with, and my husband has talked about a lot is you know my work is something I could do from anywhere, yeah. so I think this is a while off, but once our youngest maybe is out of the house, you know, maybe we would do some traveling and work from, you know, somewhere warm in the winter or so I guess that's a thing that we kind of play with uh, in our minds.
1: Absolutely. So toward that, I mean, we have a similar thing actually, and we've been in the same house for 30 years. Well, even before long before Dave (laughs) was born. Um, And so there's what we realize is we keep talking about this, but one of the ways to make it happen sooner, it's like your pre-work course. It's like, you know, okay, the pre-work is we need to begin to clear out and simplify and reduce all the stuff that requires us to be here in the first place, you know, and all the stuff that demands our attention. So there's work you can do in that direction. And, you know, just the, Fact of beginning that process like like you're beginning the process of having someone pull all the text and things that you have together into some semblance mm-hmm. of form is that begins you know it sets it in motion yeah. right
2: yeah yeah absolutely and it's the same with a book right just like just start
1: yes definitely just start, just start. great advice that Is a
0: great note to end on just yeah, start to start
1: well thank you so much for joining us lisa tenner uh book and writing and publishing coach thank
2: thanks. you it's been a pleasure thanks okay thanks. bye bye bye
1: thanks so much for joining us for the i create daily podcast please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about
0: and if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews, and it just helps us get the word out on the iCreate Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.